confidence lives within you. You just have to tap into it and believe that you can be the most confident version of yourself. And that vulnerability is honestly your superpower. I'm taking that from um, Brene Brown, but it's it's so true that vulnerability is a fucking superpower. And I believe that's how you tap into your confidence. Let's link up with Krista on The Fix. She's a wellness coach with a focus on mental well-being and physical strength. Hello, Fix listeners. Welcome to episode 70 of the Fix podcast. I'm your host, Krista Huber, and we're back for our latest episode, kicking off a new month. Happy May. This happens to be a very special month for me because it is my birthday month. If you're listening to this episode on the day that it drops, it actually is my birthday. And I was thinking about a possible episode, more of a solo exclusive birthday episode for you guys, because I wanted to kind of gather my thoughts around reflecting on what's happened over the course of the past year. But I'm going to hold off on the solo episode for right now. I recorded an amazing conversation with a very dear friend and newly minted author, Sarah Humphrey. And it's just so timely for Mental Health Awareness Month and an important message that I wanted to be able to get out almost immediately after recording it. And we actually hit the record button yesterday with some quick editing and turnaround time, getting the show out to you guys today. So we cover a lot and I'm still kind of digesting everything that Sarah and I discussed throughout this conversation that you're about to hear. But Sarah recently wrote a book. It's called Pretty Young and she's self-published. She also is a May baby and her birthday's coming. Wrote this book when she was 23 or began writing the book when she was 23 and is about to turn 25. And she's been through a lot and is very open and honest. And we talk a lot about the word vulnerability in this conversation and finding power in that. Um, And before I was preparing for this episode, I had said to her that I wanted to have the book in front of me because there was a particular line in it that I wanted to include in the conversation. And then of course, we started to get into it. We're going back and forth and get deep into whatever line of thought we're going down. And I didn't have the chance to do that. So I always record these introductions that you guys are hearing after the fact so that I can take some time to digest that conversation. So I went back and of course I found the passage that I was looking for and I'm going to kind of use it to open up this this episode. So I highly recommend that everybody grab this book. You can go on Amazon and get it. Um, I'm not even halfway through it and I love it. And I'm just, Sarah, now that you're listening to back to this, super proud of you for opening up and taking the time to really put the pen to paper or however you did it. You probably typed it on your computer. But I think that it's there's something really special, and I say this in the episode about this idea of a book being permanent in that it's printed and you can physically hold it and there's ink on that page. But there's a couple paragraphs that Sarah uses in her introduction that honestly, for somebody who is turning another year older, it was kind of perfect timing for me to read this. And The line that I love most is actually at the very end, and I'm going to start with that and then repeat the whole thing. So it's a lifelong process, really. And while it's never too late to start, it's easier if you start young. The entire paragraph goes like this. Growing up is hard, but I've learned the growing never stops, which is a tremendously beautiful thing. Life allows you a million and 10 chances, and it's up to us to go out and grab them. The only way you'll take full advantage of those chances is by fully uncovering and addressing your struggles and the madness swirling around inside your mind. It's a lifelong process, really. And while it's never too late to start, it's easier if you start young. She's so right. And it's a message I needed to hear going into my 28th year and thinking about 
what I've gone through and the decisions I've made and the experiences I've had, not just in the last year, in the last two years, in the last 10 years, but even in the last six months, in the last 12 months, damn, in the last week. And of course, I think about that as well in the context of nutrition and something that I really love about that last sentence and really the last part of it. While it's never too late to start, it's easier if you start young. That's so true about your health and wellness. I mean, think about it. The habits that you can create in a younger version of yourself, the biggest benefit to that is one, if you can create that foundation and truly develop real habits that are sustainable and lasting, then when life continues on and throws all these other curveballs your way, you're at least a little bit more prepared for them. And it's a lot easier to overcome things that haven't been so much a part of your story, so much a part of your DNA compared to somebody who is has been doing a certain thing for years, especially when it comes to your mindset. It's not so much about the action steps, and I think you can learn and relearn and undo old patterns so long as you want to and are willing and ready to make those changes. And that's something I see all the time and not just conversations with my own nutrition clients, but there's a difference between somebody who wants to be given the answers and be like, okay, this is what you should eat and this is how you should do this versus someone who's willing to come to the process with that open mind, open arms, understanding that there's some, there, there has to be the ebb and flow and there has to be this ability to be flexible because Yes, you can meal prep and you can plan and we can do those things to make it just a little bit easier, but this is life you're talking about and things aren't always going to go according to plan. And personally, when I think about the mindset I had around this time about two years ago, I could not, I could say all of those words out loud that I just said, but I don't think I could fully believe them. Actually, I don't think, I know for a fact I didn't fully believe them. But now I do. And for me, that's a really big sign of growth. And yes, as Sarah said, growing up is really hard, but the growing never stops. And I fully agree, Sarah, that truly is a beautiful thing. So with that, let's turn the mic over to Sarah Humphrey, learn more about her story, her new book. And again, if you're interested in going and purchasing it, the link is down in the show notes. Would love for you guys to connect with Sarah. I know she'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the show. I actually haven't had any coffee yet today. It's a big deal for me. Uh, so God I want to know, what do you like to sip on in the morning? Uh, well, I honestly used to be a huge coffee drinker, but unfortunately it gave me a lot of anxiety, mostly because I was probably consuming at least three cups a day. So Been there, girl. I know. Shots so of now- espresso. <laughs> That's literally all I did. But now I'm more of a green tea drinker because I feel like it gives me like a steady like caffeine effect throughout the day versus like before. But when I'm feeling a little adventurous and don't mind the anxiety on occasion, <laughs> then, you know, some kind of froofy drink from Starbucks I feel like is my go-to. Like a little like splurgy kind of drink, like a yeah, like a vanilla latte with all of the pumps of everything, yeah. and it's awful for you. But that's hey, awful. go big or go home. Exactly, you have to treat yourself sometimes. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, I appreciate you bringing that up because you know a lot of times when I ask this question, I have a lot of other fitness professionals on the show, so we immediately jump into the pluses and minuses and side effects and potential benefits of coffee. But I think it's really cool that more and more people have awareness around of what you're putting into your body, the thoughts that you have, and how you respond to whatever that stimulus, in this case, caffeine is, right? Yeah, exactly. And then like everyone had like everyone's body is different. Like I know some people who drink like legitimately 10 cups of coffee. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily healthy for you, but they claim that, you know, they don't feel the side effects at all of caffeine. And I'm like, okay, more power to you. But yeah, I think like being in tune with your body just overall and just like what affects you both like external stimuli and like what you ingest 
is like super important just for like your overall mental health and like well-being. Amen. And it happens to be Mental Health Awareness Month. So I know. all of this is so timely. I feel like you're such a great guest to have on in the month of May for that reason. And because it's both of our birthday months. too. I know exactly. Taurus season. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, let's dive in to the main topic of today's episode, which is you and your brand new book, Pretty Young. I'm super happy for you. I feel like the first time we connected, I think you were probably like in still in the final version of, of doing some of your editing and stuff. Yeah, I think we were, it was a year ago, I think, when we mm -hmm. first initially talked. And I think I was kind of finishing up my final manuscript and probably feeling incredibly chaotic at that moment. But here we are a year later. I made it through. <laughs> yes. So I want to know, and I want to bring the Fix listeners right into learning all about Sarah. Who are you? And, and I know it's a huge question, right? But when instead of the typical like resume style question of like, who's Sarah? She's a writer. She does this, that, and the other thing. I want you to go deeper. Who are you and what do you represent? But more specifically in answering that question, why should we care about what you have to say today? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I am Sarah Humphrey and, you know, I I call myself honestly like a California girl. I'm originally technically from Arizona, but you know, California, I lived there for five years during college and a little bit after. And honestly, like I just resonate with the California vibe. That's who I am. I'm very chill. But overall, like I'm just very um, passionate about instilling confidence in women, you know, of all ages, but particularly, you know, younger women because I am, you know, almost 25 myself. And I am young, but the reason why I wanted to, you know, write this book was to capture exactly what I was feeling and my thought process during this time in my life, because I have gone through a lot of rocky situations, a lot of mental health battles. Um, I've dealt with like a lot of abuse. Um, I had an eating disorder and I was able to come out on the other side of all of that. So just... I would say resilience is also just a huge part of my story of kind of picking yourself back up over and over again. I've gotten very familiar with that. And I think that's like one of the key um, values and just a key thing that I've learned throughout life. And that's why I wrote my book. I wanted to show people how to do that, that anyone is capable of being resilient and kind of picking their self, themselves up off the ground when, you know, life kind of kicks you in the gut. And yeah, I would say that's just kind of overall, like who I am as a person. And that's really what I strive to be. And just, I think confidence is key to just in everything like women. It's so unfortunate. We oftentimes belittle ourselves without even realizing it. And it's obviously for a number of reasons, but if I could, you know, even help one woman instill like more confidence in themselves, like that's really all I want in life. That's beautiful. I, I love all of that. And, you know, the first thing that as you're kind of talking through this, and obviously I know a lot of your story, but one of my qu next questions is like, why a book? Because... Yeah. I think that, you know, you wrote this when you were 23, right? And mm -hmm. now you're about to turn 25. And I think that a lot of people, one, are like intimidated by the idea of writing a book. But two, someone could easily say to you like, oh, why not blog about this or just talk about this on social media? Like what about writing a book for you was really important? And why did that feel like the right avenue, I guess, to tell your story? Yeah. Well, I think there's something so special about a book. Obviously, like you can go on the internet, read a blog or like listen to a podcast. And obviously, like I have my own podcast as well. But I think like a book, it's something that kind of transports you into another world, number one, because you don't really have any other distractions. Whereas like the internet, if you're reading a blog, you have a million, at least mm -hmm. for me, I have a million tabs open up at the same time. And yep. I had to close uh, all mine before we started yeah. our recording. <laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> so I think we just like live in a world of distraction. And I think that's why I love books is because it really turns out, turns down the volume on the rest of the world. And also, to be honest, um, I have pretty bad ADHD and I 
I'm not, I'm not taking Adderall. I'm not like on any medication. So I really try to use exercise and just a healthy diet to, you know, maintain, you know, my focus and sanity overall. But that being said, I am impulsive because that's kind of one of the, I don't want to say side effects because that sounds weird, but I guess one of the symptoms is what I'm trying to say of ADHD is being impulsive. And funny story, my friend who I had actually met through podcasting, she <laughs> was um, she was a cancer survivor and she wrote a book and she kind of texted me one day and she was like, hi, I know your story. I think you would be great. Um like in this program that I did, this book writing program. And I kind of just said yes without even really thinking about it. So I was like, sure, I'll, I'll do it. And I just kind of, that's how I got into it. I just kind of signed up for this program out of the blue. And I was slowly telling people, yeah, I'm writing a book. And they're like, wait, what are you doing? And I was like, yeah, like, I think I'm, I'm writing a book and that's kind of how it came to be, but I'm so glad it did. And I feel like life always brings you the things that you don't even know you need in the moment. And I think honestly, that's like what I needed, like this book writing journey. I needed it in order to heal some parts of myself that I didn't even know needed healing. Yeah. I I think that's really amazing. And I think, I, I think it's even in my reaction to saying like, why a book, a lot of people and asking you like, what, that's really what you're doing. Cause for some reason, like there's something about this and I, I shouldn't say for some reason, like it's physical, right? Like mm -hmm. this feels super permanent. Right. And I, I do want to save this question, like until we get further along in the conversation, but something that's kind of like burning on my mind is like, now that you've had another full year of experiences, like what it's like for you to read this now and where your thoughts may currently be. But before we do that, I think we need to get into more of your story and mm -hmm. the context of this book itself. I've started to read it and it's amazing. I love it. Like I told you, I was like earmarking certain pages and I just want to highlight like 90% of it because so much of it resonates with me, but it's very much about being a female, right? Mm -hmm. And and y being a female in the context of, you know, the last several years of your life in particular, when you've been through a lot of these different events and something that I thought was very interesting, and I'd love to know like kind of how you arrived at this realization is the, you're in opening the book itself and, and your kind of introduction to your whole story. You talk about how like you weren't really this person that a lot of people noticed until you went mm -hmm. to college, right? Yeah. And then it was like all of a sudden, like mm -hmm. you blossomed into this person that like you had no awareness of that people thought you were striking or anything like that. And mm -hmm. I, I'd really love for you to break down, like, how did that, how did you come to that realization? Like what exactly happened? Cause I think it's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, kind of growing up, I was severely bullied. I was, I think I switched schools about five times overall. Wow. And, you know, just that constant like change for a child is a lot. And then on top of like the bullying, um, it was, it was just a lot. It really kind of like shaped me who I am. And obviously I think for the better now, but like looking back or like when I was in that, in the thick of it, it was a lot to deal with, oh but that's an understatement. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was a lot to deal with and it, it really affected my confidence. So I was not confident whatsoever in high school. I went to a very, very small school growing up, just, you know, every school that I attended was fairly small and you know, that being said, like when I went to college, it was, I think the first time I had experienced life. Like I grew up in a very sheltered household. I didn't really drink. I like kissed one boy, all like all of the things I was just so, I was just innocent is the perfect word to word, say. Yeah. I was innocent, pure <laughs> child. <laughs> and then I go to college and I am I have this like rebellious side to me too, though. I think that's like one of the reasons why I wrote this book, just kind of like stick it to the man kind of personality. And so I was like, when I first went, I was like, mm, this is my time to shine. Like I'm going to, you know, do whatever the heck I wasn't able to do when I was quote unquote, a child living underneath like my parents' roof. And so I guess I just kind of started 
know, branching out. And I noticed people would notice me for the first time because for the longest time I did not feel seen. I, mm-hmm. I was never popular. I was never, you know, just the girl that every guy asked out and something weird shifted. And even to this day, like, I'm not going to understand why, like, guys just all of a sudden started asking me out. But I think it was just kind of a very strange concept for me to grasp because I think like ego is a big thing for a lot of people. I mean, especially for men, but also it's a big thing for women too. I think we place a lot of um, importance on beauty and just how we look. And I think I began to get really caught up in that because I noticed, you know, that the attention that I was getting from guys all of a sudden, I think that also made me very insecure in terms of like, okay, I have to dress this way. I have to put on makeup. I have to do my hair all of a sudden. And in reality, I'm, I'm not that way. Like, yeah, I know people can't see me right now, but I'm not wearing makeup. Like I have my hair in a ponytail, wearing a ball cap. I always wear my hoops because, you know, I love the hoops, but love the hoops. That, I want my little hoops in. Oh, perfect. Yes. But I think I started to become a person I honestly can't even recognize and I didn't even know at the time. So it it's still, I think for me, like I'm processing how that affected me because it wasn't that long ago, but still it feels so long ago. It's just kind of a very weird concept from going to from going to like being not seen, quote unquote, to being thrust into this quote unquote spotlight that you have to now become someone that you're not. So when did you ultimately realize like that that wasn't you? Like what transpired for you to be like, wait a second, like this doesn't feel like the Sarah that either you want to be or just knew in, intrinsically that you aren't? Yeah. So in college, I had a lot of rocky relationships with men, specifically, I would say my first two years of college, I was in this relationship with this guy who I was head over heels for, um, and he ended up breaking my heart. And then shortly after that, um, some, I, his kind of close friend, raped me. So that was a lot to deal with. And then obviously there's like a lot of details, um, in the story that just make it a lot more messy. But that being said, I ha- I went through all of that and then I went abroad and they always say you should never run away from your issues. And I wasn't trying to technically run away because like I had already planned going abroad for quite some time, mm-hmm. but when I was abroad, I was 10,000 miles away. And that's when I quickly learned that your problems do follow you even from 10,000 miles away. And I think that's also when I started to like really assess, like, who am I as a person? Um, How am I going to heal from this? And I also, like my dad always told me, it's not like what happens to you, it's how you react. And that's something really big in my life that I always tell myself. I always tell my friends, regardless like of what situation they're going to, going through. And that's kind of what I was, you know, trying to teach myself and show myself and really think about, okay, who do I want to become after all of this has happened to me? Because honestly, I was at such a low. It was like, you can really go up from there. You can only go up. So I think that's like when it really shifted for me. And I remember kind of walking down the street one day and I was like, wait, like I'm, I'm a woman now. I went from being like a a girl and having all of those like traumatic experiences to being just a woman and really owning who I was. And, you know, I had those things happen to me, but I think that's where I was able to gain confidence in myself because not that no one believed in me, but like you're always your biggest advocate. I'm a firm believer in that. And I think when you go through really hard times, like that's when you can gain the most confidence. I mean, shit to say that you're always your own biggest advocate. <clears throat> Unfortunately, you lived in through an extreme circumstance to have to recognize that. But let's talk about it in the context of sexual assault, right? Mm-hmm. You 
it is literally your story versus someone else's. And it's really sad and unfortunate how many women just keep that right here and keep yeah. it so close because of whatever type of emotion that they're going through. And, you know, I would, if, if you're open and willing to share, I'd love to kind of understand like when, once that happened to you, mm -hmm. what, what shifted for you even before you went abroad? I, there's a few things you said in there about going abroad that I want to unpack a little bit, mm -hmm. but take me back a little bit before that. Yeah. So I think when it initially happened, it's it's kind of funny because I was so disor like disoriented in a way, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, like I'm I'm fine. I, that's what I would told my friends. I told my friends what had happened in a very matter of fact way, like oh, this happened. Yeah, that kind of sucked. Like, F him. And then kind of carry on with my life. That was, I think, my defense mechanism of how I was trying to cope with it. And, mm -hmm. you know, over these past four years, that happened when I was 20. And so kind of over these four, five years since, I've slowly, you know, come to terms with what's happened. And it honestly took me, I would say, four, three or four years to fully understand what has happened to me. And actually at the beginning of 2020, like so many people, um, I think that's when like my mental health, just something snapped. I don't know. I think there was some weird shift in the world where like everyone experienced that to a certain extent. I but, sure did. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I know that you have your own story too, um, with that, but like, I feel like my mental health was, I don't know, something clicked and I realized something wasn't wrong. And I remember calling my mom on the phone and I had been experiencing anxiety, depression, and on and off panic attacks, um, more progressively, um, every month. And it was something that I thought I could hide or I could just get over because I had experienced anxiety and depression for a pretty long time. Like ever since I was 13, I've been more of like the anxious child and I have like mood swings and all of these things. And I thought it was my hormones as they like to tell women, oh, you're just being hormonal or you're just PMSing. And I was like, okay, well, I'm PMSing four weeks out all of the, the time. month. <laughs> so that's, that's all the time. Yes, exactly. And um, so when finally like the pandemic hit and I was able to really like assess like how am I feeling? What's happening? And unfortunately, I would say from 2020 into a little bit into 2021, I my mental health just like completely declined slowly and but surely, which is unfortunate that I, I maybe I like am too hard on myself and sometimes I blame myself for letting it get that low, but. Finally, um, I was able to, I saw actually his name's Dr. Amen. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Oh my God, him. I love him. Did you do a brain scan? Yes, I did. I did. Wait, oh. I have so many questions. This never came up in the first time that we talked. Keep going. No, I know. So, um, in, I want to do one. So yes, I have a lot of questions. So amazing. So in June, 2021, I was like at an all time low. I was experiencing panic attacks all the time. I like, it's like one of those experiences when, I mean, if someone has had anxiety, um, when they wake up first thing in the morning, it's just like that pit in your stomach. You feel like the adrenaline and cortisol mm -hmm. rushing through your veins. It's that feeling. I had like chest pains. I had like all of these weird sensations and I honestly became started to get like a little suicidal because I was like, when is this going to end? This is awful. And I was having flashbacks of like the experience and all of that. And so eventually I was like, I need something like I need help. I was already seeing a therapist and that's when I decided to go see him because I was like, he's my last resort. Like, I don't know. He helped. He cured Justin Bieber. Like he can help me. And so I made an appointment and got a brain scan. And honestly, ever since then, like he put me, he gave me all the right supplements I needed. He was the one he diagnosed me with, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, ADHD, and, um, a mood, I guess, disorder. That's kind of a combination of depression and anxiety. But 
I have, you know, been doing everything he said, like has told me to do, taking all the right supplements and, you know, really focusing on my mental health, going to therapy, all of the, all of the things that you should be doing. And I honestly have seen a 180 in my life. And it's not only just because like life circumstances have gotten better. Um, I like moved and that really helped, but I think I was able to like take my own mental health in my hands. And that was like, I think that was like the most pivotal thing I could have done. And like the best thing I could have done for myself. So in saying that, you know, being able to take your, your mental health into your own hands, you mentioned that you had felt like you had already started to try to do the right things, right? Because you mentioned yeah. therapy and you referenced, like you clearly had an awareness that something wasn't right. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think that's probably one of the hardest parts about it is like, sometimes you have this awareness that something's wrong, but then you start blaming external factors. I know for me that that was really my story around it initially. Mm -hmm. And I just kept thinking, oh, like if this change happens in my life, then everything's gonna be okay. I talk to my clients about all this all the time when it comes to nutrition and fat loss. It's like you lose the 10 pounds that you think you quote unquote need to lose. If you don't like yourself right now, that's not the magic solution. And it's not going to help whatever's going on inside your head. If that's really what ultimately led you to me, to the, to working with somebody like myself, to going into the gym every single day. So let's take that a step further and kind of give me that comparison of like, what was different about finally going and seeing somebody like Dr. Eamon? And I will definitely link some podcasts that he's done down mm -hmm. in the show notes. I've listened to him on The Skinny Confidential. I've listened to him on Lewis Howes. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I could listen to the same interview from him three times over. And I just think he's such a fascinating guy. So I will definitely make sure the rest of the listeners understand why we're like really <laughs> excited about yeah. this. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'd love to know what, why is that different for you? Because I think it's really um, important what you just said. Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, when I initially, I mean, I've been going to see like therapists since, you know, I can remember, I think 17 was when I first started going to see like a therapist every week because when, you know, I was a teenager, I was, I had severe anorexia and um, binge eating disorder and, and orthorexia, just kind of the whole gamut of it all. And, you know, luckily I've been able to, um, you know, recover from that, but I think kind of the difference between when I was seeing psychiatrists and therapists then versus now is for me, like I'm obviously not a doctor, but I think oftentimes we don't really look at our health from a holistic perspective. And I'm a person, I'm very big into functional medicine. Like that was a previous job I had, like we were talking before we started recording, but I used to be a ghostwriter for a functional medicine doctor and nutritionist. And I'm just very big into, you know, what's going on in your gut affects your brain and what's going on in your brain affects your whole body. And, you know, even external stimuli like that affects uh, your mental and physical health and all of that. So I think there's so many different factors. And I think so often we like to separate, especially in America, health um, into certain just boxes, because I think like quote, like boxes are easier to, you know, organize life mm -hmm. into, but in reality, like life is in the gray and it's never black and white. So I think when you hit like an issue, like mental health from all different perspectives, like you take into account, like your brain health, your gut health, like what you're eating, what, like, what, what are you allergic to that you don't even know that you're allergic to? Like what supplements are you taking? I think that was really pivotal in terms of changing my mental health because I realized, oh, I had some like gut issues that mm -hmm. were affecting my, my brain health. And it's like 95% of your serotonin is made in your gut. So it's like things like that, that I think really helped to change my mental health on top of like doing the normal, you know, I went to therapy, I exercise, like I'm a very big athlete, like I exercised, I, you know, did all of the things. Um, but I think like attacking mental health and like treating it as like a holistic, like problem, I think that's like really what changed. I, I love that. I identify a million and one percent with everything that you're saying. I, like that's, 
when I reflect personally on what I've been through in the last three years, like one of the things what I, you can't go back, you can't play Monday morning quarterback. But one of the things that I always ask myself is like, if I knew then what I know now from a nutrition and wellness standpoint, would I have considered taking an SSRI when I did? Right. And it's so easy to be like, well, I, I, it, it made sense for me in the moment, but and, and it helped me get to be here where I am today. And it was needed for that reason because it kind of got me over that hump, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it's so important, like, that th- I think part of the problem, and like, I'd love your take on this, is that we don't really normalize, like, even my nutrition clients, some of them have such a hard time talking to me about their digestion. Mm-hmm. And because it doesn't get brought up, then if I'm not asking them about it, or even when I do ask and they're like, mm, I don't really want to talk to you about that. I'm like, you need to talk to me about this because whatever you're experiencing, that's probably for a lot of people always been their normal, right? Yeah. And so because they have this understanding that's almost been always been their normal, they're not looking for a potential flag in the way that that may not be right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the issue is that we're not comfortable talking about quote unquote touchy subjects. So Mm -hmm. if like the amount like that you like, you know, go to the bathroom, if that's an issue, like that, that shouldn't be an issue to talk about because it's something everyone does. And like, that's, that's like the hallmark of like good health is like going to the bathroom every single day. It's a huge marker of stress. Like even in, yes even in like a more positive way. And I'm going to try to normalize it by just talking about myself. Right. (laughs) And uh, right now I'm in a calorie deficit. I'm working, it's summer's coming and I've been working really hard to uh, kind of like change my body composition because of a lot of me not taking care of my fitness, my nutrition, my mental health, because I went in a 360 and I was having conversation with my coach last week. And I said to her, I'm like, my stomach is killing me. And I have a lot of stress at work. I have stress on my system from being in the calorie deficit. And she's like, hello, your body is screaming at you. Like the fact that you are telling me that your stomach hurts, what more do you need than like a light bulb to go off in your head to be like, we don't need to change the amount of food that we're eating in the you know lower direction by any means. We don't need to work out more because I was kind of beating myself up for like not feeling like I could fit in the time to get my workouts in because I just had so many things going on. And she's like, you need to go on a fucking walk and you need to leave your cell phone at home while you're doing it. And that's the only thing you need to do. Yeah. And I know all this stuff and I still needed someone else to just be like, Hey, like you're like reread what you just wrote me in your like weekly check-in, you know, what's I know. I know my friends tell me this. They tell me I'm like the definition of insanity because it's like you repeat the same thing over and over again (laughs) and expect different results. And Mm -hmm. that is me. And I think sometimes like, unfortunately, like, you know, life will hand you like the same cards or cards that, you know, look very similar in order to give you like just a fucking wake up call and be like, this is what you need to do for, you know, your health or for your relationship or whatever like area of your life is. Like, I think sometimes like we have to go through these things until like, you know, someone's literally like screaming in your face, like this is what you need to do in order to change. And, you know, it's hard, especially, I mean, kind of going back to being Tauruses. (laughs) And like, yeah, I knew this was going to become so relevant for this. I know, seriously. (laughs) But like, I think too many people are hard headed and they don't want to be able to change their life. And in reality, like I'm a firm believer, like you create your reality. Like you're the only one who can like get yourself up, get yourself up in the morning and, you know, change your life and life changes by being consistent and making good habits, but a lot of people don't want to put in that work. And, you know, I'm not going to shame anyone for not doing that because we're all at different stages of our life. And you have to be ready for it. Yeah. And you have to be ready. I think that's like the biggest thing too. Like so many people don't like, aren't ready for it. Like if no, you can't make someone change if they're not willing to change. And like kind of going back to like when I had an eating disorder, that was my own like volition to like recover. And because I've decided I don't want to live this life. It's awful. It's miserable. And that's going back to my mental health. I was like, I'm tired of having panic attacks all the time. Like, that's not fun. Like if you've ever had one, like, you know, they're 
probably one of the top like three worst things that could happen like in my opinion maybe I'm like yeah it's like but it's like debilitating yeah it is debilitating and so I think like you have to take your life in your own hands and no one can do it for you but you're also going to have to be vulnerable and honest with others and you know Going back to if that makes means that you're going to have to tell your nutritionist like how often you go to the bathroom, like be vulnerable in that way or like be vulnerable like with your friends and tell them like what you're feeling or with the therapist. And I think it's like the baby steps too that can get you to that place. Yeah. And now I know I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but in keeping with your theme around change, mm-hmm. you went abroad and you changed your environment, right? So there was like this element of something changing, but you clearly from everything you've described at this point had the realization that actually just changing the environment wasn't going to be enough. So obviously that was before, just to kind of like keep the timeline in context, like that was before you went ahead and saw Dr. Amen, like you had that happen to you. So what kind of was like the next domino to fall for you? You were abroad. You had this like wake up call for lack of a better word to be like, wait, like this is about me. This is about Sarah. And then I think this book even like brings it into the context of like about being a female in general, right? And like being a female in society. So what did you do next? Because I think a lot of people have these realizations, like maybe they didn't even put them down on paper, but you're studying abroad, you realize like, okay, something's not right. Like what was the next step for you? Cause it sounds like there was probably a few more ups and downs in between before you got to where you are today. Yes, I mean, let me just tell you, there was, 10,000 ups and downs in between, but you know, that's life. And I think when I came back from broad, that's actually when I really started focusing on myself, on my mental health. Um, and I really got into yoga actually, which I would always make fun of my friends beforehand and be like yoga, like that's not a workout. And I've been that person too. I know. And now, which is hilarious because I'm actually, about to get um, my certification. In Congrats. That's amazing. Yeah. And I'm going to be teaching hot yoga soon. But I think that's one thing that really helped me is like, I've always been an athlete. Like I'm running the New York marathon soon. I mean, in a few months, but you know, getting prepared for that. Um, I love to do triathlons. I was a big swimmer growing up, but I think like bringing some kind of like spirituality into um, your workout. I think like our bodies, like this is my belief that like, they're like divinely made. And like, I think like we can like tap into like the universe, God, whatever you want to call it. Like, I feel like we could use our bodies in so many powerful ways. And I think by incorporating like spirituality more into like my exercise regime, I think that really helped. I started reading a lot too, because I realized, you know, after college and after, you know, you stop quote unquote studying, like that could technically be the end of like you pursuing knowledge. Like, obviously we're going to learn things in our job, but like, outside of that, that's really the only way you can gain knowledge. And I think just broadening your perspective of life and understanding like the world doesn't revolve around you. Because I think when we're younger, it's so easy to be like, woe is me. This is happening to me. Like why, why, why? And really understanding like, no, like so many other things have happened to people. And honestly, like just shit happens to everybody. And by broadening your perspective and like seeking wisdom from like outside yourself. I think that's like a great way to also just like improve your mental health. It's like all about a perspective, perspective change. Any books in particular that for you, they were really profound that you're like, when you're talking to a girlfriend or something, you're like, you have to read this book. Yes. Well, my all-time favorite is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. That is, I mean, I'm not sure if you're. Yeah. Yep. That that book is fucking amazing. And um, what else? There's just so many. I read Atomic Habits recently. I loved that in terms of a habit change. My number one book I recommend to every one of my clients. It's the best book. I think that that one's great. Um, And then I'm like looking at my bookshelf right now, actually, and I'm trying to think what was my favorite. I have read a few Dr. Amen books as well. And oh, You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. Great Loved that one. 
So I think that's great if anyone's like looking for confidence too. Any of those authors in particular, like when you think about your own writing process, like obviously you mentioned that you went to, went through a writing program into like a book writing program in particular, but, um, do any of those people or any other authors, are they like, is there a specific person that kind of really inspires you and in the way you write and like that you would attribute this book to? Yeah, I would say probably Glennon Doyle and Jen Sincero actually are like two very big influential women in terms of like writing. I think the main reason being is because vulnerability. I think vulnerability is such an underrated topic and Mm -hmm. kind of value. And obviously, if if you're familiar with Brene Brown, she's a big vulnerability advocate. But yeah, she, I think she changed the she did. I would argue she's like single handedly changed the messaging around how to think about vulnerability. Oh, exactly. And I think it's still something, especially in I mean, I'm, I work in corporate America, so it's definitely something that isn't really talked about. Luckily, I work for a great company that vulnerability is like and empathy is like a very big uh, value. But in just in general, too, like a lot of people with their friendships too, a lot of people just aren't open. And I think maybe that's just like the society we live into. We've learned to create some kind of, you know, curated thing on social media and it's, and that allows us to hide behind what we're truly feeling. But I think by like taking the steps into really like saying how you're feeling is such that's going to be pivotal just in life in, in general to like changing how you view yourself, how you view others and helping, you know, people to open their eyes. How did that realization change your relationships, whether that's who you're friends with now today that maybe are a totally different circle or the way you show up in the relationships that you have continued to have? Yeah. I mean, I would say I'm super extroverted. So it's pretty easy for me to just be, you know, loud and like my friends, that's how they describe me is loud. And I was like, I, I, I don't mind being loud. So thank you. And um, I'm also just, it's funny because I mentioned earlier, like I started going to therapy when I was 17 for my eating disorder, but beforehand, I was so reserved. Like I would never tell my parents anything that's going on. Like I'd bottle it up and then be that kid who explodes and has like massive like tantrum over in the corner. And they're like, what what the heck is wrong with her? (laughs) And now I think ever since I've gone to therapy, I like kind of joke that I was like a bottle, like a fuse that just can't be closed now because I just, it just, now it pours out. It literally just pours out and like I have no problem with being vulnerable and like that's actually like one thing, you know, I like, I do pride myself in like being very real and just authentic in terms of I could talk to anybody like I'll, I'll talk to anyone in the grocery store at the gas station, whatever it might be like and I'll just be like, you know, talk, just talking about whatever it is and I'll be like, yeah, that fucking sucks or like, oh my gosh, that's so cool or just I think being relatable too. I think that's how you are relatable is by being vulnerable because at the end of the day, like humans are, we all feel the same emotions. And so I think that's also just like who I am innately. And you know what? I think that also really speaks to your whole point that you made at the very beginning of the conversation. And like you had this massive realization that you weren't showing up as who you wanted to be. And now you are. So it should feel natural. Like that is the ultimate sign that you are being you. Yeah, exactly. And like, I, I was curious too, like, how does that look for you? Like, do you think vulnerability, especially just with your job and like, especially you're working with people who are, you know, looking to live healthier lives, like how does vulnerability look for you and like your job? It is you, I was actually listening to a podcast specifically for coaches that talked about this the other day. And she said it so well because I couldn't agree with this more. There is a million and one nutrition coaches, but there's only one Krista, right? Mm -hmm. And there are so many nutrition coaches and fitness professionals out there who have horrible relationships with food, might even like hate working out 
I mean, fuck, I went through a period where I did not work out for like a year straight during COVID. And I tell people this all the time and I find, and when I was listening to this coach talk about how to use that as a superpower in your coaching, that's what differentiates why someone would choose to work with me because somebody could go choose to work with anybody. So I believe that the vulnerability that I can show up and provide, like the way I try to be honest on this podcast and just in my, in my posts, like even down to like feeling like I want to post something on Instagram. Like Mm -hmm. I used to very much get caught in this trap of like, well, I need to post something. I need to be consistent. I'm like, I don't have anything to fucking say today. So I'm just not going to say it. Right. Yeah. And like, I've just found that when I tell some of my clients like, Hey, I went through that same exact thing as you. And I actually still go, go through it too. I told a client yesterday, I'm like, everything I'm preaching to you right now, I also need to hear for myself. And as soon as I said to this person, she smiled so big and she was like, thank you. Like, it's just giving that person permission because otherwise it's going to come from this place of like, well, you should do it this way. And half the time that's not realistic. Like so much of what I do that I find really blows people away when they're working with me for the first time is I try to make things so basic and so simple. And a lot of that has to do with what I learned from Atomic Habits mm-hmm. because it's really about meeting people exactly where they are. And we're so quick to want to do an entire 360 and change 72 things at once. When if we just changed one thing and got really good at that one thing, it's amazing to then be able to give that person an example and be like, Hey, all I did was like start walking more and eating more food for X period of time. And like went through a year of like intentionally putting on some body fat and being very uncomfortable, but the results in the long run were so worth it. And like, now I'm so much happier because I improved my relationship with food. I can eat the things that I feel like somebody says I couldn't. I'm like, I'm gonna, I like love cheeseburgers. And I talk about that to all my clients. I love them. Like I like joke around with my podcast editor all the time that we're gonna start another brand called like Burger Babe or something like that. I mean, I love that. (laughs) Cause otherwise I think people don't have permission. Yeah. Right. I love what you're saying about giving people permission. I think like that's just like I think the whole point of life in general for, you know, everybody is to allow others and give people the space to show up as them themselves. And I think a lot of times we live in a society where we we don't give each other permission to show up, especially just like, I mean, if even looking, you know, from a social like media perspective like i mean i love the kardashians don't get me wrong but i think like we've we now live in a society where you know putting on 5 billion layers getting you know plastic surgery and there's nothing wrong with plastic surgery but i'm saying like in terms of having these unrealistic expectations exactly. of like how we should look or how we can look that's just like from a body image perspective, but we don't give, we don't give enough reality and like, we don't give ourselves, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, we don't allow space for reality Mm -hmm. to happen. We try to push these certain narratives. And if I think we took a step back and gave other people a space to be number one, vulnerable and express their feelings and kind of just show up as they are, then I think that's how we improve as a society. And that's also how you improve yourself overall, because if you improve yourself, that's how you can, I mean, it sounds cheesy and everything, but I think it's true. If you improve yourself, your like energy radiates off of others. Yeah. And that's even, you know, to the point about vulnerability, the one thing that I've just found is like, I show up differently and I think in a better way as a coach, right? Mm -hmm. And like, because of the energy I bring to the conversation, because I'm not like, there's not a part of me that I'm holding back to be like, oh my God, I don't want this person to find this thing out. Cause I did that. And I did that in the thick of being extremely depressed. I was like obsessed with like this. It was like, it, it sounds like crazy when I think about it now, but I was like so obsessed with this idea that I was gonna be found out that like someone was going to like uncover this layer of me that like totally ruined the perception that I had tried to create for myself. And now I'm like, wow, like I, I felt like, like imprisoned by that. Right. Like I felt so like closed off. Yeah. And one thing I'm realizing too, is like 
so what they find you out like what are right. they gonna find like what are they gonna find out like that you're human mm-hmm. and so are they and that's yeah. like the thing it's like I think we have this we're so afraid and we need we feel this need to like shelter um ourselves and hide parts of ourselves when in reality like people see right through it like mm-hmm. people people know who you are by within like the first 10 minutes usually of like talking to you so I don't think there's ever a need to hide anything and if anything, it like welcomes people in more so if you yeah, know that. Yeah, 100%. Because again, it gives them that space. And I'd love to know how for you, how do you feel that this book allows for someone to find that space or even if it's just for yourself? This book, it really just allows people the permission to, like we were saying, is to step in into their truest self. And I think that like overall that vulnerability is the number one aspect of it. Vulnerability and empathy, I think, are two things that go hand in hand for me. And by kind of explaining like all the trials I've gone through and just like from like my mental health to like abuse to like my eating disorder and to just having honestly like super, super low confidence. I think me sharing that gives people permission to be like, Hey, yeah, I have been through this kind of shitty thing, or I'm really, you know, depressed about X, Y, and Z. And now, um, I'm able to show up as myself because she's gone through this. And I think it's just all about owning who you are overall and being very unapologetic. I mean, that's like the title of my book being unapologetically female. That's the subtitle. So I think, yeah, I think by sharing who I am as a person, I'm hopefully giving people space um, to own who they are. And I want to go back to that question I mentioned at the very beginning of our conversation. You wrote this book almost two years ago now, right? Like how has, I I don't know that have, that you've gone back in and like read every page through and through after, you know, having edited it and really been in the thick of it. But how have maybe some of the learnings in here or the beliefs you had at that time shifted? And what is it like to reread these like living words on these pages? Yeah. I mean, it's funny because I look back and I've always been a pretty confident person um, just from everything I've gone through. I've had to learn confidence at a very Mm -hmm. young age, but it's funny because like every year I grow in my confidence and that's just something I love. And I think Right now, I am able to really just show up as like the woman I know I've meant to be. And I've really been able to find my voice. And like, obviously, I think as we as we grow as women, we're still establishing our voice and exactly like what our quote unquote story will be. Um, But I think just establishing my voice and my confidence overall has really shifted. And I think yeah, I don't know. I think that the book really healed me in a sense. Like it's like kind of <laughs> traumatizing in a way because you have to think back on all the hard, you know, shit that you've gone through. But I think it's what I needed to do. I needed to reflect on it. It was like someone forcing me to reflect on all of the hard things because I wouldn't have done it otherwise. But I think when you reflect is when you can grow. Yeah. Amen to all of that. And I have, I want to be respectful of your time, but I have one other question just about your experience and having had multiple therapists working with different types of doctors, ultimately getting a brain scan. Well, two part question. One, have you gotten your brain scan again for like a re like a checkup to see how it's changed? Okay. No, I haven't. So what he does, at least Dr. Amen. So I got mine in my brain scanned and June of 2021. Okay. So almost a year ago. Um, but basically he likes to do it. He only suggests getting a brain scan again, if like your symptoms haven't improved at all or if like they've gotten worse. So I would probably get like my brain scanned again in like five years to see how it's changed. Yeah. Cause whenever he speaks, like he always talks about these stories of people like 10, 15 years later. And I find that like so fascinating. So I'm curious if that's something that you plan to do. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I would love to see, I mean, it is a little pricey. I'm not going to lie because obviously it's not covered by insurance. Um, I mean, I guess that's how it's, so you got to make a buck somehow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I would definitely be interested in seeing it. And honestly, like 
I, I recommend, I mean, it is pricey, like I said, but if you're very serious about like getting in control of your mental health, could not recommend it enough. And is there one, I know like we kind of talked about supplementation, but didn't go into a lot of detail. Is there one supplement that you've now incorporated into your routine that you just feel like either this was like a really missing, I know we talked about holistic health, so I don't want to give the impression in setting this up that like there's one magic bullet, but I'm curious, yeah. like, is there something that's now in your routine that you were just like, damn, I wish I found this sooner? Yeah. So yeah, like you said, there isn't one magic, you know, pill that you can just pop to cure all of your symptoms and like just cure you for life. But that being said, it's called GABA, GABA Calm. They have this whole mm -hmm. brand. It's called Brain MD. And basically, it's just a bunch of supplements that he created himself. And GABA is one thing. It's very calming, especially if you have an anxious mind. If your mind tends to spin, mine does often. And also fish oil, too, I would say. There, there was a study. I started taking fish oil when I was uh, 17. And there was a study that said that you know, depending on the amount you take, I take about like three pills, I'm not trying to prescribe anyone here, but that's just, that's just what I take. Um, but there was a study that showed that if you consistently take fish oil every day, um, that could have the same effects as an antidepressant would. So, you know, it, it's, uh, there's, and I'm, there's, I'm not saying there's anything bad with, um, taking medicine. I was on medicine, um, a while ago, but, you know, I think also there's a lot of great natural options too, if that's like what people are looking for. Yeah. And I, I agree with everything that you're saying. Also, GABA is a huge one because I just find there's like a really big misconception around melatonin. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when people think they need melatonin, they'd be very surprised that if they utilized something like a GABA or L-theanine, how yeah. impactful that would be on their sleep and ultimately getting better quality sleep. It's so foundational to your health overall. I know. It's like, I cannot recommend it enough. Just, I think, and also do your own research too. Go see a, a doctor, um, you know, specifically. I mean, I'm, like I said, maybe I'm a little biased, but I do like functional medicine doctors. I think they give a very good holistic view of um, supplements and medication overall. Well, we're going to finish off with a quick little lightning round Ugh, and then amazing. we'll make sure you plug your book so that everyone Perfect. can go get it. You ready? Uh, hit me. <laughs> All right. What is your outside of yoga? Like we know you love yoga. What's your favorite workout? Like what else do you like to do? I love weightlifting. I love leg day. Um, but today I actually did shoulders before this. So nice. shoulders and back. Okay. Nice. What's your, when you go into the gym, like for, we'll pick upper body, lower body, favorite upper body move, least favorite upper body move. Um, favorite upper body move is a lap pull down. Nice. Least favorite. <sighs> that's, that's a very hard one. I think anything that I'm like working specifically like on my delts, um, just like those baby movements. I don't know why they, they, burn, man. they really burn. And I'm like, oh gosh, I like, I do like five reps and I'm like, okay, I'm done. But, <laughs> but then I have like pride and I'm like, I'm not going to end because I see everyone staring at me. <laughs> Lower body, same thing. Uh, favorite, least favorite? Uh, favorite, obviously, um, just like the classic squat. I love feeling strong, especially just as a, as a woman. I think I suggest every woman do weightlifting um, just to feel strong and know that you could kick someone's ass if you needed to. Um, and then least favorite, I'm not going to lie. I don't think I have a least favorite um, lower body. I'm like just – I love leg day, like I said. So whatever you give me, I will love. All right. We love a good leg day. I just did legs yesterday. I <laughs> I think like deadlifting, squatting, like it's – like it. you said, there's just something so powerful about it. And also just – a regular reminder on this show, but all the girls out there who want the booty gains, yeah, you gotta start doing some deadlifts. You gotta start. I wouldn't even push squats as much as I would say some uh, barbell hip thrusts, your yeah. glute bridges, all that sort of stuff. That's where that's where the real booty gains happen. That's the secret sauce. I know we love it. <laughs> Favorite? Okay, you. So you live in New York, which we actually didn't mention on the show. I don't. Think. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I do. We just let everyone know. Um, <laughs> what is if there's only one? This is a hard question. If there's only one restaurant in New York City that you could eat at for the rest of your life, 
You could only pick one. That's hard. Where okay. would you go? You can narrow down the list. I just I think it's more dramatic when I make it very specific. Yes. No. Okay. There is this place. It's in the East Village. I am about to completely butcher the name because I think it's like a Moroccan name, but it's Al Bazaar or something like that. Okay. I okay. I I completely butchered the name. I don't know. I don't, I don't know it. Think. Yeah. Well, all I know is. It's the best food in terms of Mediterranean. My family's Greek, so I love any kind of like Mediterranean food or like Middle Eastern food. So they basically get like kebabs, hummus, all of the good stuff, tzatziki and fries, and they just dump it on one giant plate and you can like share it with everybody. And it's so good. And it's probably like not the best thing for you, but like, you know what? Who cares? You gotta live. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why you go into the gym and you hit your leg day, okay? That yeah, that's the perfect honestly post leg day workout cuz you have your carbs, your protein, your healthy fats from the hummus. There you go. There you go. There you go. All right, last but not least, Sarah, what is your shameless plug? In other words, if somebody could only get one thing from this conversation today, like one piece of advice that they could walk away with and it was the only thing they were going to remember, what would that be? I would say if you don't remember anything else from this podcast, it's that confidence lives within you. You just have to tap into it and believe that you can be the most confident version of yourself. And that vulnerability is honestly your superpower. I'm taking that from um, Brene Brown, but it's it's so true that vulnerability is a fucking superpower. And I believe that's how you tap into your confidence. So that's what I that's what I'm going to stick with. I love it. Tell everybody where they can get your book. Where can they connect with you? How can they keep in touch? Yes. Well, you can find my book on Amazon. Just look up Pretty Young, Sarah Humphrey, and that's where you can order it and get all the fun stuff, all the goods. And you can connect with me at Sarah Whitney Humphrey, and that's Sarah with an H, and I'm sure that's going to be down in the show notes below. Um but I also am coming out with a podcast as well. It's called Falling Together with Sarah Whitney. And obviously, Krista, you will be on it. So excited to have you on it. And yeah, I would say, honestly, my DMs are open. So whenever you want to slide in there, feel free and we can chat. Amazing. Well, Sarah, thank you so, so much. I could talk to you forever and we're going to go flip the script and record another podcast. So I'm excited to spend a little more time with you today, but this definitely won't be the first and only time that you are on the Fix podcast. So I really, really appreciate you. And I want to just acknowledge you for being so open about your story and, and wanting other people to be able to find themselves in that, right? Like, yes, it's, amazing that this was a cathartic experience for you to really sit down and write this book. But I think the thing for me that's really resonating is that idea of giving yourself permission. Like that, that expression is something that's come up a couple times for me over the last few years. And I love that, that it came out of this conversation. Um, Mm -hmm. I always feel like those are just like little signs from the universe that like, that's a relevant phrase in your life. So you're a rock star. You're amazing. I absolutely loved this. And I can't wait for all the fix listeners to tune in and tell us what they think about it. You guys know the deal. Send me a DM, send Sarah a DM. The best thing you can do for this show, not just to support it, but to actually help somebody in their life, send a link of this episode to them, whether you listen on Apple, Spotify, wherever you're listening to, that's how people are going to be able to do everything that Sarah said. Like that's how, by spreading this message, that's exactly how we all can find more of that inner confidence and, and really like tackle some hard shit for lack of a better way to say it. So Sarah, thank you again to all the fixed listeners out there. Thank you guys for tuning in to another incredible conversation and we will catch you next time.